Hello, and welcome to the Sonic Cinema Podcast. My name is Brian Scuttle, and thank you for joining me at www.sonic-cinema.com, as well as the Sonic Cinema Podcast YouTube channel. You can also check us out uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. It's on uh, Good Pods, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, and many more. Uh, check out uh, the Sonic Cinema Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also check me out at patreon.com backslash sonic cinema. There you can see my uh, uh, some of the images that I got from uh, Dragon Con 2022 during some of the panels this year, as well as uh, from the panel that I was on, on music of Star Wars. You can check that out, as well as the first few episodes of a new Patreon-exclusive series called Leaving the Collection, where I basically look at movie from the collection and I talk about what inspired me to get it and why it is leaving. That's at patreon.com backslash sonic cinema. So the past few years we have really started to lean into uh kind of celebrating anniversaries of movies that have, uh that have come out over the years. And um you know, last a few years ago, we did our big class of 1999 series. Uh, back in December, we did the uh, best of 1996. Uh, we're we're not necessarily going to be talking about one of the best though, but I think it's actually going to pre- uh, going to present an interesting discussion. It is 2002's Ballistic X versus Sever. Joining me for his first appearance on the podcast is a fellow Banana Meter critic and a YouTube critic. Uh, I'm pleased to welcome Sharia, excuse me, Sharia Chawa. Excuse me. Thank you very much for joining me. Thanks so much for having me, Brian. You got the name right. Okay. (laughs) Good. I, 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 I always worry about that. Um, since this is your first time on the podcast, um, could you, uh, tell us what is it, first of all, where, when, what started your love of movies? So I think it goes back to about like the late nineties or so. I was a little kid and, um, my dad, he showed me this little movie. I'm not sure if anyone's ever heard of it. It's called the Lion King. (laughs) And, uh, when, I watched that and it, it really, that's the one that really got me to just see, you know, what, what's possible. Mm-hmm. And after that happened, I just, just grew this fascination for like, you know, what all movies can offer. But I have to admit for a long time, it was pretty much just watching Lion King on loop. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> but as the years progressed, I started to watch a lot more movies. As I've grown older, I watch movies from different genres with different MPA ratings. So that helps. And it um, eventually brought me to a point where I wanted to talk more about them, which brings us to this moment. Well, and I, you know, and I mean, I, there's, you're, you're, believe me, you're not going to get any judgment from me on watching movies on loop. There are plenty of times where I do that on a regular <laughs> basis. I, I remember uh, the summer of 90, or 93, I was basically watching A Few Good Men ad nauseum. I, I just love that movie so much and just was, it was, it was so captivating and just 
this is before I really fell in love with watching movies. So believe me, I completely understand that um, that impulse to to watch movies that we love and to watch movies that we really do connect to on a deeper level, and then uh, just kind of just kind of ingest them as much as possible. So what was it? What inspired you to start right talking about movies? Because you are you. Most of the people, most of the critics that I have on are, they they predominantly work with the written word. Uh, but you do YouTube reviews. Uh, what was it that inspired you to? First of all, where can people find you on YouTube? And then what was it that inspired you to go with YouTube as an outlet? as opposed to starting a blog or writing about films? So you can find me on YouTube at Sharia Chavla. That's my name. It's pretty simple. I talk about movies and shows and video games. Um, what started me off on YouTube was actually starting on writing first. So, uh, yeah, a lot of people don't know this, but I started off with actually a Facebook page. And at the time, my channel is now called my name, but it used to be called the Cinematic Universe. And at the time, I, I started writing some brief excerpts of movies that I was seeing. And eventually, I, I realized something, which was I, I wanted to do more in terms of showing rather than just having the written word do it. I, I mean, no, not a slight against the written word, mm -hmm. but um, I... I preferred working in a more um, interactive space. You can, you can see my face and we can have a conversation of sorts. And one day, it was around December 2015, I would say, I, I saw a review, um, I think it was by Chris Stuckman, and it was for Star Wars The Force Awakens. It's, uh, it's a review that's about 18 minutes long or something. And I watched that on loop about 20 times. And... To this day, it's one of the most well-edited videos I've seen from a YouTube reviewer ever. And I remember seeing that and thinking he, how he uses, you know, uh, images and footage in order to make his points and, you know, to be able to almost make it like he's conversing with you and not giving away any spoilers, by the way. Mm -hmm. He did it so well that I just wanted to try my hand at it. So... I started to work on that as a result. And, and then around early 2016 is when I really started to get into the video space. My first major review was yeah, Deadpool and was shot on the floor of a kitchen. There's a long story to that, which I will not get into because the people involved in that do not want me to talk about it. <laughs> but, uh, but then I kind of hit a big break with Batman v Superman and it's it's been like that ever, ever since. And I love working with the medium. It meets, you know, getting to meet some people as a result of it, such as you and um, other fellow critics. And um, I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I try and do it as much as I can for as much as, as long as people want to enjoy it. And that's seems to still be the case. So let's see how far it goes. You know, I, I do, I do some video reviews, but mostly it's just like me and from my, camera just talking about movies i i'll be honest i honestly do not have the patience to edit a video review with 
clips from the movie and stuff like that. I, I just don't have the patience for it. It's, you know, it, it's as, as much as I enjoy having YouTube as an outlet for the podcast, it's, it's something where it's like, oh, I mean, even even just putting stills up again with the movie, it takes more time to get the get the podcast out there. What what is one of the most challenging aspects when you decide to start doing video reviews, much like what you are doing? What is one of the most challenging things about doing a review like that? I think it's about patience because it's. So let's be honest, when you watch a review finally on YouTube, and believe me, there are errors you'll see every now and then, you cannot get a 10-minute long seamless take where you don't make a single grammatical error or you stutter for a second or you have to repeat a point. And sometimes that involves watching the entire thing. So there was, there's been a couple of times where I missed something. I'm like, oh God. And then you go back and you watch it and it's like, it's too late now. It's out there in the world. But it's it's one of those things where you have to then comb through it. So it can take some time. And when you're starting out, especially, and you can't get the seamless videos, I would argue to this day, I have, like, sometimes it's like, like okay, you want to get something out really quickly. And so sometimes you just quickly do the clip insertions and everything. You watch your copyright issues are not made up and then you get it out there. But I would say that time is an essence like mm-hmm. just you should and 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 eventually constantly working on it and you know um improving your the background that you're working in or or just you know like just trying to make sure that eventually you you know what you're talking about i guess is the best way i can i can put it because it takes a while to get the terminology right too yeah the more you work on it, the better you'll get. Um, and I, I mean, I, I leave it to the viewers of my channel, what they have to say about it, because there's been an evolution, I think, from where I was to what I am now. And um, I, I hope it's working out for the viewers. Yeah, and I think that's the most important thing is if we are able to show some growth, regardless of how we approach film criticism, uh, you know, whether it's in podcast form, whether it's discussing it in the written word, whether it's via video. I mean, that is the most important thing is being able to show growth and a certain degree of maturity in terms of the craft of making a review. And and yeah, so obviously the terminology is a big part of that, but also, you know, how we approach a review like I mean I'll admit there are some reviews where it's like there I don't have a whole lot of things to say about but I want to say something about it. so those may not go into as much depth as others I mean I've got one coming out next week for a movie that I've been very vo- vocal about on the past couple weeks on Twitter if you uh, follow me you 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 know probably the one that I'm talking about and uh, but I went considerably longer with that one, you know. And it's funny because the the movie that we're talking about today is one of those where when we first discuss talking about it, because I typically try to do a written review in addition to a podcast because maybe the written review will have something a bit different than the podcast. The podcast is going to get into more depth and it's going to be bouncing off of somebody else. 
but the written review is essentially just my, just me. So how is that going to work? But as I was going through the movie, it really did kind of occur to me, oh, there's more to discuss here than than I normally thought. Do you other do you ever have times where if you are wanting to review a movie that you've kind of hit a wall with like how much you want to say about it? I try to break it down in every review what I like or dislike about a film, but in specific cases where you can't find anything which you particularly liked and you're having such a hard time just coming up with any kind of positives, I I feel like saying it sucks or something like that is too reductionist. Yeah. Like, I understand that's the, that's the immediate reaction that'll probably get you, you know, your, uh, your audience and it'll probably get you those, you know, those clicks and all that. And, and it does happen. We see it on social media all mm-hmm. the time, you know, but I think at the end of the day, as a reviewer, as any critic for that matter, the best critics are people who take their time to analyze why it didn't work. Like, and to offer feedback on what could be done to make it work. And I feel like that also helps the filmmaker because let's say, let's say someone does end up seeing your negative review of the movie, you know, they'll have the notes too. It's like, okay, these are the mistakes I don't want to make next, next time. But mm-hmm. I don't find myself struggling after a while. I feel like every movie is a learning experience. And I sometimes think instead of just trashing a movie, outright i like to you know take my time and, and and study it and then eventually offer up the review yeah um i think that's actually kind of a perfect segue into the review the movie we are going to be talking about uh mm-hmm. which is 2002's ballistic x versus sever uh directed credited director uh chaos he has a they have a much longer name that I'm not even going to try to pronounce because I'm sure I will completely get it wrong. Um, this is, it, and it's funny, we're actually recording this on the 20th anniversary of the movie coming out. So uh, this is this is a movie, and I, I really, I almost, I forgot that this wasn't like based, because with a title like that, you almost would expect it to be kind of based on maybe a video game or something like that. And the studio just was like, oh, I don't really trust the original title. Let's just add something to it, you know. And um, But it's not. It's actually based on a quote-unquote original screenplay by Alan B. McElroy, who actually has written several movies. He He did... He did Rapid Fire, the Brandon Lee film. He did The Marine, which had John Cena. But he's also done Halloween 4, Spawn, and Wrong Turn. So uh, there, there's, there, there's quite a bit to be said about that filmography. Uh, unfortunately, not a whole lot of it good. But um, nonetheless, so I do think he has a kind of a decent framework here which is essentially the idea of two rival assassins or two rival agents who must work together against a common threat. And 
One of them is played by Antonio Banderas, who is a uh, an FBI agent, and the other one is played by Lucy Liu, who basically plays an assassin who kidnaps a uh, child. Uh, the child's father is played by Greg Henry, who is always an entertaining, uh, who is always an entertaining character actor to have in a movie. Um, when did it's funny? So I do want to. So I. I talked to you about having you on the podcast before this subject came up. and But the reason we ended up coming up with this subject is that I'd shared, somebody had shared a uh, letterbox review of that movie, The 355, that came out earlier back in January with Jessica Chastain, with Penelope Cruz, Diane Kruger. And it they likened it to a... They likened it to like a mid early to mid two thousands action movie, you know, along the lines of Ballistic X versus Severn. I I tweeted like, hey, you know, Ballistic is coming out is going to be turning twenty this year. Does anybody want to talk to me about it? And you, I you reached out and was like, so this is I wouldn't mind talking about this. And it's like, okay, we'll we'll go ahead and do this. Um, little did I know I was going to have to uh, buy it in order to uh, be able to watch it, but um, you know that's 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 the way things go. Uh, what was your first experience with Ballistic? It was after a review, actually, because I I didn't really know much about the movie for I mean for a good reason. It seems to be buried under everything, and it has pretty bad reviews, yeah. but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> eventually I did uh, come around it, uh, to hearing about it from a review and I was just fascinated by it because there were so many scenes and clips that were shared in that review. It was on YouTube and so much of it reminded me of another movie that I'm sure is going to come up many times during this thing, which is the matrix. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get there, but I, I remember seeing that and thinking, you know the promise in this movie. There, there. I can see the, I can see where this could have been a, a good movie, and I can see where you could have made something really entertaining and and fun out of it. And when you, this was before the three five five, by the way. So when the three five five came out, it was, um, it, and it was compared to that. I said, okay, it's not that bad, or it's not that you know uh, that much of a misfire, but it just feels like. It feels like a very forgettable action movie yeah. at best. Um, but I think what then, uh, yeah, so then eventually I ended up going through Ballistic X versus Sever again and again just before we, uh, we started recording this review. And um, should we just go ahead and talk about it? I mean, yeah, we can definitely go just back. go ahead and talk about it. <laughs> Um, yeah. the, the, the comparison to the matrix makes a lot of sense, not just because of the fact that they shared the same composer, Don Davis, but because mm. of the fact that this came out a few years after <laughs> the matrix and was basically part of a run of action movies. We got around that time where every action movie felt like it needed to be the matrix in some way, shape or form. I mean, this was this was distributed by Warner Brothers, but was produced by Franchise Pictures, um, who 
not only did Battlefield Earth, but also did Boondog Saints, the whole nine y- yards, 3,000 degrees land, miles of Graceland, and many, many others, uh, several of which are completely forgettable. Um, yeah, this is, this is, this is one of those movies where it basically, I feel like the director's, uh, the the director was basically told make this as close to the matrix as you can uh and the problem is there's not nearly as much there's not nearly as much depth to the narrative but also he doesn't have they don't have as much style as the wachowskis were able to infuse in the matrix i mean you have Don Davis's score, which is very busy throughout and very much techno, which is, you know, another thing that came about after The Matrix. But at the same time, it's it's easily the liveliest thing in the movie, which is really depressing when you have actors like Banderas and Lucy Liu and the uh, main characters. First of all, uh, what do you think of... Uh, I mean, it, you know... What what do you think of the casting of Banderas and Lucy Liu in this movie? I mean, it's honestly perfect casting, frankly. If you wanted to get two assassins pitted against each other and you gave me a bunch of names and you said, I'm going to pick Antonio Banderas and Lucy Liu, they're like, that's awesome. There you go. That's, that's, a, that's a pretty good pairing right there because it seems like they would be able to play off of each other in a very effective way. And again, you can see the framework of that in here. You know, so on the casting, I'm not going to know. Because I, I think that's that's solid like work. And yeah. you got Ray Park later as well. So, you know, that helps. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, it, you you really could not ask for better casting for those characters. I mean, I think my... My biggest issue with it is that it doesn't either they didn't rewrite the script in a way to cater to the natural charisma that either of those characters have either of those actors have or they were just directed with not nearly as much uh personality as as they normally have. And it's one of the things that was really disappointing in rewatching it. For me, at least. It just felt like there was, somehow there was this lack of energy. And I think that's not just about, it's, I think it's throughout the entire set and throughout the entire movie. And I've, I've, I have to ask, like, you know, is there some kind of, like, set video or something like that because I, I'm genuinely curious as to what happened over there. It's like it's trying to be overly serious at times, but then it's also being just so like it's so mellow and yeah. Like, you know, dulled down and, and it should be much more intense than the film makes it uh, itself out to be. Yeah, I mean I, I feel like this yeah, I mean, the the biggest issue, I think, with this movie, and, you know, it, it's funny because uh, going back to the screenwriter, McElroy, like, a handful of his films have been directed by Dwight H. Little, who is not a terribly well-known action director, but is a relatively competent one. He did 
Rapid Fire, he did Halloween 4, he did The Marine. He, he's, he's done other movies that are actually pretty decent. You know, I feel like he, you know, he, when he did, rap, when Little did Rapid Fire, he, I think he got what Brandon Lee was as an actor. And he kind of helped shape that performance with Brandon Lee and just kind of let him go and let him be his and let him show his personality. And I think that's one of the things that is so disappointing with this because I I think the reason Lucy Liu was probably cast in this movie was because, I mean, not only because of the fact that Charlie's Angels had been a big hit and it was another chance to put her in an action movie, but with this movie, she's she was also a dominatrix in the Mel Gibson movie Payback. And she was great in that. And she was a scene stealer in it. So I feel like that's the main reason why they cast her in this role. But the problem is there's none of the... There's none of the more lighter comedic energy of Charlie's Angels. That's not to say this movie should have been a comedy, action comedy in any way, shape, or form. But it should have at least allowed her to do more than just stare at the camera while things are exploding or people are trying to shoot at her. And I think that's one of the biggest problems. And I mean, with Banderas, I mean, yes, he's a character who's coming out of retirement essentially for this uh, movie and he has some personal motivation, but he was Zorro and he was in interview with the vampire and Another movie where he plays like opposite another assassin is uh, the Richard Donner film Assassins. But the thing about Assassins is that it actually gave him an opportunity to be naturally charismatic. And I mean, you can also look at his work with Robert Rodriguez in the El Mariachi movies too. And it's it's just one of those things where it's like, how do you how do you have these two actors in this potentially juicy a premise and just completely miss the mark? I mean, it doesn't help that it feels like the the MO of the movie is basically point shoot and watch people stare at one another while things explode. There's like that's about the level of energy we get in any of the action sequences here. Mm -hmm. And the, 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 I think the biggest issue with that is that it's, it's done in like, and it goes back to the matrix comparison. It, it doesn't feel like it's trying to be its own thing. Those action sequences, it does feel like it's trying to, you know, be a lot similar to something like the matrix. Like you mean, um, was it, was it the first one where you had this police standoff? Like there is a police standoff in this one. Oh um, no! I mean that was that was a that's been a, that's been a trope forever in action yeah. movies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I, I think that's just about the way it was done, I suppose. Um, but um, I think what um, what I eventually I gathered from that was like again, and and I have to wonder is like what it just doesn't seem to. I mean, it's an original screenplay, and yet so much of it feels borrowed. And yeah. because of that, it's just like I feel like the mo of the movie, as you were saying, also. But I feel like another ad, uh, like another uh, addition to that is like 
it was like, hey, even if it's point and shoot and people will stare and it'll be awesome, it'll also be like, hey, it looks like the Matrix, it's edited like the Matrix, we got the same composer, you know what? Maybe they'll see that and think, oh my God, it's like the Matrix and you know, it'll blow their minds. So we don't have to necessarily go further than that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, and it's one of those things where it's like the evolution of the action genre over the years, over the past 40 years, is kind of interesting um, because of the fact that I feel like it, it's kind I feel like Banderas and Lucy Liu are the only reasons that are the only reason this was not a uh, direct video action movie. I, I feel like that is the only reason this got a theatrical release at all. But the thing is, I also feel like if this movie had been made today, it probably would have been one of those ne Netflix action movies, sort of like The Gray Man, we, which we got this summer. I, I feel like it's, it's that disposable, it's that generic, and there's just nothing to really... There's nothing to really give us a chance. There's nothing that really makes it feel like this is a movie we need to watch on the big screen at all. And that's, I think that's the most disappointing thing with these two actors. Um, you know, and, and to a certain extent, one of the notes that I said is it feels like a parody, um, an action movie within a movie parody. Not just with the title, but just with the way it's presented. It feels like it's making fun of this type of action movie instead of being a straight action movie. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, I have nothing more to add on that point. I think you summed it up perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you mentioned Ray Park. Uh, Greg Henry, like I mentioned earlier, I, I think he's good. And he, he always adds something to, to a film. Um, and I, I think he, you know, there are some decent character actors here. Um, Miguel Sandoval, who's been in a ton over the years, Clear and Present Danger, among other things. And uh, there, there have been some, there are some good actors in this. I mean, of course, the uh, two main ones, but the fact that they just, they're really just not given anything to do, and it's, it's, it's the biggest disappointment. Um, and yeah, I mean, they're, they're really, that's the thing. There really isn't a whole lot to say about this movie. It's, it's very lifeless. It's. It just doesn't have any energy what to do at all. And I think that's the biggest problem with it, where it's like how, I mean, the the director has done several other films over the years, but at the same time, it's like I can't, um, I, I just can't imagine what they're like if this is, if, if this is an example of his talent, I I just really don't 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 know what 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 to expect and whether why I could expect anything good about it. Mm, well, yeah, um, I, I mean, it's just I feel like that part is sort of like a, a loop scenario where it's like I think what it also comes down to, and this is something that I feel like is in the best action movie, something that always works, is that you also have to consider that 
these are people in situations where their lives are on the line, they're being shot at, and you know, it's, it's always a dangerous situation. In those situations, what you always want to do more than anything else is have the audience somewhat connect to them, you know? So if you're rooting for someone, for instance, in a fight, someone, you want to make sure like someone gets out. And what I found to be another thing lacking in the movie as a result of, you know, just point and shoot tactics is that I didn't find myself at any point in this, you know, hour and a half connecting with either X or Sever. Yeah. And um, I think that was a huge missed opportunity. Like there's no time to really grow their characters. I mean, you get something with X at one point, which is you get a bit of a flashback, but it's bare bones minimum. And it doesn't, I mean, it's, it's not like something you couldn't have found out if it was like, you know, we would have still been able to figure it out pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's, look, I mean, it's a 91 minute movie, but that doesn't mean that that 91 minutes can't be interesting from a narrative and uh, character standpoint. I mean, you can easily do a lot of things, especially with something this, this stripped down as a, as an action premise. Like you can do a lot as far as developing characters and they try to do that with the introduction of um X's uh X's wife being a part of it and you know the the son being that the the child that uh Sever steals being a big part of things and what's going on but it's like you said, it's just there's you have to make things you have to make us care about this stuff, and you really don't. And I mean, it's it it's really kind of it's it's very disappointing, but it's also I think to a certain extent it's also indicative of you know if if you uh, there are a lot of action movies that have done this over this type of thing over the years. I mean, but the problem is it's like this is such an easy premise to a certain extent that we have this industry of direct-to-video movies they're just as ridiculous and it's like there's a reason they're direct-to-video as opposed to on the big screen and like i the thing that just continually blows me away is how little they do with their main care with the main actors like how do you, but i mean then again outside of a few examples there's not a whole lot i feel like hollywood has done well in terms of using antonio banderas as an actor i think there are some things he i i think they they tried to lean into some things but they didn't really give him enough to work off of and then lucy Liu. I mean, just they, her, by far her best performance on the big screen, at least, was Kill Bill Volume One. And I mean, that's kind of the same type of character in a way that she's playing here, but the way she was written and the way that Tarantino directs her, it's like it makes it a. It makes what we see of that character so much more interesting than what we do here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was just gonna um, uh, say about that. It's like 
for some reason, it, it does seem like they fit, uh, um, going back to Banderas for a second, it seems like the only note they gave him in terms of an acting was like, you're 24-7 just as if you've come out of a bar. Yeah. And it just, it makes every line from him sound like almost slurred to the point that I just feel like half the time he doesn't want to be on the set, Yeah, which is also really strange. Um, but Lucy Liu is another one. Like, yes, Kill Bill Volume One is probably her her best. But even in that, it's like she's a she's a character uh, already. She's she's a woman of few words. You know, is able to communicate a lot with just expressions and with just you know um, a physical performance. Yeah. And um, what I what I think is the case over here is that you have a similar situation over here where Sever really doesn't say much. You know, and she's able to you know do a lot without with very few moments of dialogue. But I think the difference is that at le- in, the, in the case of those two, in both those cases, um, in the case of Kill Bill, I feel like at the end of the day, I was still able to understand the character yeah. and to be able to you know, appreciate what, what was going on over there with, with her performance. I can't say the same for Sever. I... I just feel like, because there seems to be somewhat of a heart of gold in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. She is protecting this kid, you know, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't get that. Like in the case of Oren Ishii, I can tell like she's a ruthless assassin. She's going to kill you. Like, I mean, if you cross her, you know, and I, I got that sort of like the, that through that performance, it's just about being able to um, write it. Well, I guess, and it keeps going back to the writing and the direction. It's just, you know, it just could have been better. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I think part of the problem is that there's a perspective issue because of the fact that yeah. when, when sort of like what you were saying, she does eventually seem to come off as having a heart of gold. But when she first enters the film, it's not as one of the main characters. It's as somebody who is having, who is taking seemingly one of our main characters. And I think that's that's one of the things that is another issue with this film word is if you start off with Sever as basically who we are following in at the beginning of that movie when she at the beginning of the movie when she steals the kid, maybe we're more on board with the character. Maybe we understand the character a little bit more as opposed to, oh, well, she's just somebody who's taking this kid. We don't know who for. could be for uh, somebody who is higher up the food chain than she is. And, you know, Antonio Banderas plays the character who's off to get her. I mean, that's normally how this thing would work. But ultimately, the the movie just doesn't under, doesn't really seem to understand how to make that how to how to pull that off in any way, shape, or form that is interesting. Yeah, and it has it's such a late reveal too. Like I don't understand if it's something like a television series, like especially nowadays where you can be like take your time and really you know build into that. And it would act as a really good subversion, especially if you had that time, you know, because you could be like, here's this character who seems very monstrous and is you know gonna you know basically turn Vancouver into a war zone for 20 yeah. minutes into the movie, <laughs> you know? But then you sort of take your time and be like, okay, no, hold on. There's a reason this is all happening. 
and then you build into that and you could do that over here but again it's just there's it just feels so out of left field and it doesn't go with the character that you've seen so far and yeah. you know uh, and that's what makes it more clunky as a result of it uh, because at the second half of the movie she's the nice person but you know i'm i'm also thinking in a movie called x versus sever there first of all there's no versus but really yeah. but um <laughs> uh <laughs> that's another conversation we're gonna get to that in a second i'm sure yeah um but <laughs> um but um i just it's just um you know um i i i feel like there was i i want to know actually was 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 this always the script because i have to i have to assume that there must have been something given in the nose like maybe that didn't make the final cut perhaps like you know like something just to I don't know because I, I I mean unless it was exactly this surface level in which case that's a shame. Yeah. Well, and it's 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 interesting because of the fact that um you know there there were some uh you know looking at the trivia on IMDb I mean this was something that was originally intended to be made in the 80s with Dwight H Little directing from the script with Dolph Lundgren Starring, and I can see that being an interesting film. I, I can see that maybe working a bit more. Um, you know, you, you've you got, you know, and then originally Sever was going to be a man, and a couple of the pairings they suggest are Wesley Snipes and Jet Li, who actually Jet Li, I, I was, he's one of the people I immediately think, you know, would have makes a lot of sense that they will pitch this to him at that point, because that's, that's around the time when he was starting to be in a lot of stuff at Hollywood in Hollywood. And then the other pairing they mentioned is Vin Diesel and Sylvester Stallone, which that one makes sense to me too. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I've got to think there's, you know, this is one of the movies that this feels like, it's kind of kind of a riff off of our um and the director i guess thought this when he had read the script earlier he was he he was thinking along the lines of movies like the killer the john woo film and uh the professional by luke Besson. and that makes a lot of sense because i can see this kind of being in the same vein but again it or is it different? The fact is, this this director is just not as adept at shooting action and getting performances yeah, out of his direct out of his actors as either of those directors are. And so, I mean, it's yeah. Uh, no, sorry, I was just saying. I mean, he's definitely not great at shooting fast paced action because it's all so slowly done in this. It's not just slow motion. It's just paced badly. Yeah. Yeah, it's one... It's a movie that definitely... I mean, going back to The Matrix, uh, it feels like... It feels like a movie that, you know, the producers were like, oh, we want it to be like The Matrix, but we don't have the time or the money to do the bullet time visual effects, to do a Mm. lot of slow motion. I feel like that's kind of what, what it is. Because this is this is just such a this is just such a 
dull movie. And, I th- and that's, that's the most... That's... I mean, there are a lot of things that are disappointing about that this movie, and that's that's by far one of them is just how dull it is. Because you can't even say that oh, it's just this entertaining little B action movie that people kind of have forgotten. It's just it's disp- dispensable, and part of the reason it's dispensable is because of the fact that like it just has no life to it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely not. But it also doesn't help that nothing happens in it. Like for a long, yeah. long time, there's no plot progression. There's just shooting, pointing, and shooting. And yep. I mean, when you do that, it's it's also hard to you know stay fully invested in it. So I don't know if this happened with you, but it's not that long a film as we know. But there are times where I would just be like, okay, I'm gonna pause it right now. I'm gonna you know get some get a glass of water or something like that. <laughs> and I would think that okay, we're you know, we're, it must be a, a long ways in because it's been a while. It really feels like it's only been about a few minutes of movie. Yeah. And it just, because there's just nothing happening. There doesn't seem to be a proper progression of events, you know? Like, even if the action was entertaining, like, I mean, like, say what you will about um, the 355 as well. It's like, it's not the most amazing movie, but it's, you can, at least it's it's got some fun action here and there. You know, and it does. Yes, it, it it does, and it also feels like it it was. It also feels like the screenplay was tailored for the actors and playing mm-hmm. off I've... of all of their personalities, and I think that's the big that's the big thing that's missing from this. Well, it's one of the big things that's missing from this movie. Mm-hmm. Because while yes, Banderas can play serious, Lucy Liu can play serious. It, it even even serious, they're capable of much more entertaining work than they are here, especially in action sequences that ultimately have nothing to distinguish them. Like it's it's one is in a quarry, one is in on the streets of. A city, one's in a house, and it's like, what? What are we doing here? Mm-hmm. This is so nondescript. There's nothing mm-hmm. distinguishing about this movie at all. Mm-hmm. In fact, the one that uh, the main, the first fight that happens between X and Sever, and the only one for that matter, is on a rooftop. It's on this yeah. generic gray rooftop that looks like any other rooftop that you'll see in a neighborhood. There's, it's not like. You know, you have some kind of proper set design there either. And then there's this structure in the middle of it that just happens to be this tube that, like, you slide down. But um, it's not like it's a demarcated thing. It's not like there's a proper space to it. It's just a generic rooftop. I'm not asking for something extravagant. I mean, but if you're, but I think especially, but I think at least in the case of a first battle, like, if you're going to have that first clash happen, at least try and distinguish it like okay this is the first fight this is where it's all going down um like you know it, you could have multiple fights throughout the movie as well but even that really isn't there mm-hmm. no absolutely um what what are what are some of your favorite action movies I mean, the one that this one was copying was one so <laughs> the matrix um, <laughs> um you know, um, I, I, I was before I tell you the rest. Um, I was just thinking. You mentioned some of the pairings that they had in mind. Wesley Snipes and Sylvester Stallone did Demolition Man. You could have actually had a Demolition Man play out yeah. here of sorts. 
you know, you could have, but oh well. Um, but um, I, I do enjoy that movie as well. Um, Face Off is one of my favorite action movies of all time. One of my yeah. favorites in general. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, God. Um, oh, uh, Fugitive. That's another mm. one. That, which is more of an action, more of a thriller, but, you know. Yeah, yeah but um, still, there's, there's a lot of great set pieces in there too, so. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, and I have a wonderful, I have a wonderful story about the Fugitive, which uh, I don't know if we have time to talk about that, but. Oh yeah, we've time. got plenty of time right now. So, <laughs> oh. do you want do you want to hear the story of Absol- the fugitive? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So this is final year of college. All right. So I'm with a friend of mine, and I'm, we're in a bar, and we were just talking about like what's you know coming, uh, you know after graduation. We were talking about renting an apartment and all that stuff. Um, and while we were having this conversation, there's a TV on, and it's playing the fugitive. And um, I, I'm not making this up, but so I, I just randomly looked over and I was like, oh, Fugitive's on. And he loved The Fugitive too. So he was, he was like, oh yeah, great movie. And I'm not even joking. Everyone in that bar started watching the movie to the <laughs> point where they tried to change the channel and they were like, no, 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 go back. And people were watching The Fugitive in the bar. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> it, be- it became a community experience. Not even making this up. It was awesome. I, I, I love that experience. Uh, Demolition Man's a fun one. Um, I wouldn't, mm-hmm. I, uh, my wife and I actually went to go see it at the uh, Art House Theater when, uh, when theaters were closed a couple of years ago. They did a, uh, mm. they did a drive-in and, uh, to help kind of stay open, and they did Demolition Man, so we watched it there. And that, that is such a fun movie. And, yeah, I mean, though, that is an example of, like, using two actors for their strengths, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's it's just an entertaining movie. I, I love Face Off. It's like, we've, mm-hmm. like we we basically did a feature-length episode a couple of years ago on Face Off. Uh, it is probably my favorite action movie. I love the Lethal Weapon movies. Um, mm-hmm. The Fugitive is terrific. Uh, I'm Speed is such a good action movie as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I don't know why Speed wasn't coming to mind. I'm sorry, I haven't thought about action movies in a little while. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> well, I mean, it, and the thing is, it's it's kind of interesting because of the fact that, and this is one of the things that I kind of am kind of glad that we chose this because it really does um, point to such a change. There's been such a sea change in the industry and what we typically see in theaters over the past 20 years and with much larger emphasis on big budget fantasy science fiction movies as well as superhero movies we don't really get as many straight action movies like ballistic or face off or lethal weapon or demolition man the way we used to and when we do, it's typically on something like Netflix. I mean, you look at something like Ambulance earlier this year was kind of from the that's 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 just a one of the things that makes that so distinctive is that you really don't see, regardless of what you think of it, you don't really see that type of action movie made anymore for the big screen so 
I mean, and that's, I think that's part of the reason why it's disappointing that this one misses the mark so much is because of the fact that, you know, you don't see these type of movies on the big screen anymore. And when you do, you want to see something that at mm -hmm. least gives you some energy and something worth caring about watching. Mm -hmm. No, I absolutely agree. And I mean, when was the last time we had a legit, like almost 90s action movie style thing kind of play out? I mean, they tried with the Gray Man, I suppose, but yeah. I mean, not not exactly. I mean, I didn't hate that movie. I just want to make that known. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, no, it's 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 hard to to get something like at this point. I mean, I guess you know when we talk about they don't make movies like this anymore. At the same time, we got Top Gun Maverick, which really does feel like a movie that was made in the eighties at times. Mm -hmm. You know, um, but. Um, so, I, I mean, I, at this point in time, if I wanted to rely on old school action, it seems that I'm pivoting towards either a Tom Cruise movie where it seems like, you know, he's got some old school stuff going on, like with Jack Reacher or with even to an extent with the Mission Impossible movies. Um, but um, it's not so much... Um, it, it is somewhat of a, of, a, of a lost art. So as much as I, I don't really like this movie at all, I, I do miss the style where it could be something like this, but hopefully better. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, I've, I think that's, that's one of the things... Uh, I, I think that's one of the things that was... That, that kind of... As, the more I thought about this movie in retrospect, the more... It occurred to me, it's like, I want to use this as a jumping off point for a discussion on action movies in general. And yeah, you brought up Maverick, and that's an excellent example as well. Uh, I mean, it's obviously a sequel, but it's still one of those type of action movies that you really don't see anymore. And, um, you know, Mission Impossible was its own thing. I mean, it's basically one of the longer-running franchises right now. <laughs> And, uh, but it's still in that vein where, you know, Tom Cruise, he's somebody who he, he, he's an interesting one because I think he's one of the few, really is one of the few big stars from the 80s and 90s who has always been consistently on the big screen, who hasn't been relegated to video on demand and direct video in a way that even, Stallone and Schwarzenegger have had to go there over over the years and it's it's really kind of stunning the fact that he's he's accomplished that mm -hmm. no I agree with that and he's managing to sort of keep that that style alive I mean Stallone I think one of the things that I I do credit the Creed movies on is trying to bring that back a little bit also mm -hmm. um which I, I do think it succeeds to a large degree on doing. I mean, it, it does do that to an extent. And credit is in that case also to be given to uh, Ryan Coogler and um, uh, Stephen Cable Jr. Uh, Stephen Cable Jr. directed the second one, right? Yeah, I um, believe so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we'll see what uh, Michael B. Jordan does with the third one. Um, but uh, yeah, I do, um, I do like the fact that they're able to... Um, uh, I was pretty impressed with the fact that they were able to create that effect um, at, at, at times. Um, 
but uh, I mean, we're we're talking about so many better movies now. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> like, um, I actually there is something interesting. There's a fight sequence in here that kind of reminded me of something. And let me, I, I wonder if it was just me, but was there a part of this finale that some uh, in the in Exorcist Seven that kind of reminded you of something like Heat? I don't know what it was. Like what? But like Heat or or Whitey oh, or something like that. Yeah. I can I can see that comparison. I mean it, and I I feel like he was be and especially that Michael Mann aesthetic was mm-hmm. probably something that was popping around in the uh, filmmaker's head as well. Um, mm-hmm. I mean this was before Collateral, but at the same time, I mean he was about six seven years old, and yeah, I mean you you definitely look at the action there. You look at the fact that it's essentially like one character versus another character and stuff like that. But, I mean, obviously Michael Mann gave himself considerably more time to flesh out the story and make it have more depth to it mm-hmm. than just a general generic cops versus robbers movie. And, I mean, that's a credit to him as a writer and filmmaker. But, yeah, I mean, you can you can definitely see something like Heat as well as The Matrix as well as really just that type of school of action filmmaking from the 80s and 90s, I think really plays a role into this. I mean, you know, it's, it, is, it is kind of interesting that this came about. This was originally considered in the 80s because it, it really does have that kind of feel of that type of action, mm-hmm. even if it's kind of on the cheesy canon films, Chuck Norris type of level action as well yeah um that which i again i mean this but we can't even levy that criticism anymore because you know sometimes it'd be like this looks like a script that was conceived in the 90s it's pretty close to the 90s yeah so this (laughs) this movie fits that mold so perfectly but we were in this such a transitional phase at, at that point in time in terms of cinema that i feel like it had a big uphill climb to achieve that kind of, you know, um, since it can stand out among the crowd, um, which, I mean, we already said this multiple times in this particular uh, episode, but it had the potential to do that. It's like, I sometimes I see movies that are just lost causes. Like, if you watch something like, okay, very recently, because Top Gun Maverick came out, they made a direct-to-video thing called Top Gunner. Okay, now, I mean... I'm not going to look at Top Gunner and be like, oh, no, that's cinema right there. Because, you know, that's like, that's a, you know what they're trying to do. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you know, that doesn't work. Like, I can see that and be like, okay, they're clearly trying to capitalize on it. But there, but you don't bring in talent like the kind you have in Ballistic X versus Severed to, you know, to make a bad movie. Like, this is, this is, these are some extraordinary actors over here. You know, these are two very talented people. And like you said in the very start, Antonio Banderas was Zorro before this. Yeah, so we we have a great standing over there. Um, it just, it, I don't know. I, I, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that's just going to go down as one of those mysteries, I think, unless there's some other interview or something which we haven't found, which sort of goes into, like, you know, why, why it didn't really work. Yeah, exactly. Um... I mean, you know, and the fact is, it's like they're, they're, you know, that, that's it. This is one of those movies where at a certain point you do kind of hit a wall with talking about it. It's like, 
How much Absolutely. how much more can you talk about? And it's it's unfortunate when it's unfortunate that you can do this with a movie with these actors involved because of the fact that I mean you you see you know from other films just how talented they are and what they can give to a movie and you just don't get it here and it's really kind of disappointing but uh thank you very much for joining me today to talk about this thanks so much for having me man uh great conversation yeah i mean i i really i wasn't there was a part of me that was kind of like dreading this conversation to a certain extent not because of the guest but because of the subject it's like how are we going to get a discussion about ballistic experts that Severed, but the fact is there is plenty that you can talk about, whether it's the movie itself, whether it's the actors, whether it's the genre and how it fits into that genre. And it it's just been really great to uh talk to you about with that. So uh yeah, I, I'm I'm glad we finally uh had this opportunity to talk and I definitely uh would love to have you on again to talk about other movies absolutely i'll I'll happily come on next time you call yeah and uh just one one last uh thing where can we uh find your uh reviews again you can find me on youtube at shara chapla my name is very simple just come on and buy stop by check out something i just put up a review of don't worry darling by the way so yeah and be sure to uh check out his reviews they are always uh insightful as well as entertaining appreciate it i'd like to thank shara for joining me on the podcast uh like i said we've been talking about having him on the podcast uh for a while now and he's he's a really uh well-versed and smart film critic be sure to check out his youtube channel uh he's always entertaining to talk to on twitter and just in general and definitely want to have him back on that's going to be it for this episode of the sonic cinema podcast uh thank you very much we are coming toward to October, and that is, as always, going to be a wild discussion. We are going to be talking about some under-the-radar horror films with somebody who's very well-versed in the genre. We're going to be talking about some horror soundtracks with another first-time guest, as well as we're going to bring back Phil Faso. Are we going to talk about some good horror for change? You'll have to find out as the month goes on. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, check out patreon.com backslash Sonic Cinema. You can actually watch a uh, one my most recent leaving the collection is on Ballistic X versus Sever, but I'm glad that we have this discussion as well on it, as well as uh, any place you can listen you can uh, read my work on sonic cinema on in their own league i'm contributing quite a bit over there and uh just in general thank you very much for as always taking a listen to what i have to say at www.sonic-cinema.com thank you very much mm-hmm.